For we are opposed around the world by a monolithic and ruthless conspiracy that relies primarily on covet means for expanding its sphere of influence, on infiltration instead of invasion, on subversion instead of elections, on intimidation instead of free choice, on guerrillas by night instead of armies by day. It is a system which has conscripted vast human and material resources into the building of a tightly knit, highly efficient machine that combines military, diplomatic, intelligence, economic, scientific, and political operations. Its preparations are concealed, not published. Its mistakes are buried, not headlined. Its dissenters are silenced, not praised. Gentlemen, welcome back for the first time in what seems like forever to Over the Line, the podcast. We took a a, a bit of an extended vacation over the past few days. I don't know, it seems like almost a month since we've done the show, and we figured there's uh, no better time than now. To go ahead and and get back in the groove uh, with the last day of 2018. 2018's been a little rough for some of us, but uh, 2019's a, a a brand new, fresh start, and we'll be able to uh, uh, do our thing, do our thing in 2019, and uh, make it happen. I'm excited. I know you guys are uh, excited as well. Maybe not. I don't know. Uh, Overthelineshow.com still up and running for you guys. So make sure you have gone to that uh, to that webpage and you've subscribed to the newsletter. You just scroll to the bottom of the page and you'll be able to get our emails when we update you on all the things that we do. It'll be right there for you. Easy to access and all that jazz so hook that up also these shows available on uh apple podcast spotify and uh anchor and then a bunch of different other platforms that uh, we put it on so excited to be back we we wanted to uh, kind of jump in the mix and uh take a look back on 2018 before we wrap this thing up not personally but uh, more of 
what we've watched in the news because I personally have spent a lot of time with you guys uh, on the airwaves as we've we've watched the news transform into some some bizarre situations, especially in in Washington D.C. in Trump's real year to get settled and and get his his wits about him and and get his get his feet wet, if you will. As far as being president and getting this whole thing figured out, figuring out what he wants. So that's some of the stuff we're going to talk about as well as anything that's happening now. I got my man P. Diddy in studio as well. Uh, I told him he didn't have to come out here to the studio and be a part of the show, but he came in bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, and um, now he's just laying his head on the table. So we may not hear from him. We may hear from him. I told him to start thinking about some of the... um, his uh, favorite things from 2018, and he can't seem to muster anything up. I mean, you don't even have anything from from Fortnite from 2018 that you're excited about? No favorite season or anything like that? Anything you can think of? Uh, maybe when I got the squad, no fill win. <laughs> He's like, what is that? Squad, no fill win? Which is a big accomplishment in the world of Fortnite. That was uh, very impressive. Did you get a solo win in 2018? Not yet. Maybe 2019's your year, cause you might do it. You may do it today. Who knows? What if you What if you get a win, a win today? You'll be able to finish out 2018 on a high note with a solo win. That'll be huge. Huge. Uh, you had a good Christmas, right? Did you get almost everything you wanted? Almost. What did you not get that you wanted? That's a tough one, ain't it? <laughs> you did get money, though. You got a go-kart. You got all kind of Fortnite swag. You got Madden. All kind of stuff. I just sneezed. <laughs> <laughs> That's my bad. I couldn't cover. I had to cut the mics off and cover. My, I couldn't cover my face. I didn't have time. So uh, yeah. Anyway, I think it's you making me sick. <laughs> That's bad. Oh, it's gonna be a rough show if I'm gonna be dealing with that the whole time. Uh, all right. Uh, again, overthelineshow.com is the website. We got our phone number up. If you guys want to attempt to call the show, I don't know how that's going to work because we've got a uh, different setup than we normally do. Uh, we may try to take calls. We may not. Uh, we'll just have to see what happens. If you guys will give it a shot, it's 646 668 646-668-2714. 646-668-2714. 14 that'll get you in on the show uh so let's go ahead and get started first of all share this if you're watching it live share this video uh on your social media so people know that we're we're back in the saddle and if you're listening on apple podcast or spotify or any of that stuff share that as well with your friends and your family let them know that they can hear this show whenever they want take it with them all that stuff the big news of the day is we have our first democrat announcing that they are running for president in 2020, the next presidential election. That happened this morning. Anybody want to guess who it is? 
Now it's not Obama. Guess again. I'll give you one more guess. Bernie Sanders. No. It's not Bernie Sanders. It is Pocahontas Elizabeth Warren. And I couldn't be happier about that. Because she is Elizabeth... I mean, I'm sorry. She is... She is Hillary Clinton 2.0. Elizabeth Warren is Hillary Clinton 2.0. And uh, that can only mean good things for Donald Trump. Now, obviously, she's got a primary process to get through to be able to get to the general election, actually go against Donald Trump. But uh, she put out a video today kind of uh, announcing her presidency, and it's the same old stuff that we hear from Elizabeth Warren all the time. But for somebody that just recently, this past year, was mocked into an oblivion for claiming she's Native American, and then she gets a DNA test, and it turns out she's not even close to being Native American. Actually, most everybody else is more Native American than she is. She's as white as it gets. It's kind of bold for her to announce that she's going to run for president. Here's the video that she put out today, uh, this morning, making the big announcement. Check this out. In our country, if you work hard and play by the rules, you ought to be able to take care of yourself and the people you love. That's a fundamental promise of America, a promise that should be true for everyone. Growing up in Oklahoma, that promise came through for me and my family. After my older brothers joined the military and I was still just a kid, my daddy had a heart attack and couldn't work. My mom found a minimum wage job at Sears, and that job saved our house and our family. My daddy ended up as a janitor, but he raised a daughter who got to be a public school teacher, a law professor, and a senator. We got a real opportunity to build something. Working families today face a lot tougher path than my family did. And families of color face a path that is steeper and rockier, a path made even harder by the impact of generations of discrimination. I've spent my career getting to the bottom of why America's promise works for some families, but others who work just as hard slip through the cracks into disaster. And what I've found is terrifying. These aren't cracks that families are falling into, they're traps. America's middle class is under attack. How do we get here? Billionaires and big corporations decided they wanted more of the pie. And they enlisted politicians to cut them a fatter slice. They crippled unions so no one could stop We're them. We're going to turn the bull loose. Dismantled the financial rules meant to keep us safe after the Great Depression and cut their own taxes so they paid less than their secretaries and janitors. It's time to write the rules for the middle class. After Wall Street crashed our economy in 2008, I left the classroom to go to Washington and confront the broken system head on. Elizabeth Warren, apparently not afraid to tangle with Wall Street. Elizabeth Warren is heading into the lion's den. Mrs. Warren goes to Washington. She did. We created America's first consumer watchdog to hold the big banks accountable. A woman who has warned of another meltdown. If Washington doesn't up. I never thought I'd run for office, not in a million years. But when Republican senators tried to sabotage the reforms and run me out of town, I went back to Massachusetts and ran against one of them. And I beat him. And we are going to turn Washington back to the people. Who do we love? Warren! Who do we love? Warren! Who do we love? Warren! Today, corruption is poisoning our democracy. Warren. 
Politicians look the other way while big insurance companies deny patients life-saving coverage, while big banks rip off consumers, and while big oil companies destroy this planet. Our government's supposed to work for all of us, but instead, it has become a tool for the wealthy and well-connected. The whole scam is propped up by an echo chamber of fear and hate designed to distract and divide us. Racist. People who will do or say anything to hang on to power point the finger at anyone who looks, thinks, prays, or loves differently than they do. But this dark path doesn't have to be our future. We can make our democracy work for all of us. We can make our economy work for all of us. We can rebuild America's middle class, but this time we gotta build it for everyone. No matter where you live in America, and no matter where your family came from in the world, you deserve a path to opportunity. Because no matter what our differences, most of us want the same thing to be able to work hard, play by the same set of rules, and take care of the people we love. That's the America I'm fighting for. And that's why today I'm launching an exploratory committee for president. But the outcome of this election will depend on you. In the last two years, millions of people have done more than they ever thought they would to protect the promise of America. And here's what we learned. If we organize together, if we fight together, if we persist together, we can win. We can and we will. Peyton, you can wake up now. It's over. Wow, that was riveting. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely riveting. The thing about Elizabeth Warren is she always seems like She's so soft-spoken, but she seems like a very angry librarian. Like, she's always angry, but she can never get hyped up enough to, to come off as as intimidating or, or mean. Even when she's at her angriest. That's her official video that she released this morning announcing her bid for 2020. She's got the same old Democrat talking points. The same old tired campaign slogans. The same old... Here's the thing. The problem with Democrats trying to run for office when, when things are going good, when gas prices are down, people have got jobs, all this stuff is, is working out for people across the country, it's, it's really hard for Democrats to come out and preach gloom and doom so if i'm if i'm a campaign manager for one of these people or i'm kind of coaching them to a bid in 2020 or whatever they're running for i'm gonna say let's let's talk about building what's building on top of what's good right now instead of saying everything that's going on now is bad and i'm going to reverse it because for those people that realize that things are going good, they're they're going to say, that, that doesn't make any sense. I don't want you to change all the stuff that's going on right now. I don't want to go back to where we were. We, we voted for Donald Trump because we didn't like the way things were. Now you're telling us that you want to go back to that? 
How is that going to cause us to to vote for? Because Democrats, here's what Democrats have to do. They have to get some of those people that voted for Donald Trump back on their side. Otherwise, they're not going to pull it off. Both sides will stick in candidates in 2020 to try to uh, take votes away from the other side. So you'll have somebody who is claiming to be a, a Republican, like the, the one kid from, from Utah that ran uh, uh, during the, the 2016 election. I can't even remember his name now. Uh, then you, you'll have people on the left like Jill Stein or whoever that will be taking votes away from the Democrat. And that's going to happen. And what that forces these politicians to do, for, it forces these candidates to do, is take away supporters of the other team. They've got to get people that were voting for the other guy to come over to their side to make up for those votes that they lost. Because you're not going to be able to hang on to your base. You're not going to be able to get your base to turn up. Now, each side has their own advantages. For instance, the Democrats, their advantage is voter fraud. Their advantage is bringing people illegally into this country so they can vote, even though they're not supposed to which is why they're opposed to a border wall so much, which is something we can talk about a little later. But uh, that's it. Elizabeth Warren, 2020, running for president. She's the first to throw her hat in the ring. There'll be many more to come, I'm sure. You can expect a loaded field when it comes to the Democratic ticket for 2020. And as we go into the new year, I feel that those those bids will start pouring in. Now, P. Diddy, you named a couple uh, candidates, a couple Democrats that may be running, that you think may be running for president. And you say Bernie Sanders will throw his hat in the ring. Who else? Hmm? Who knows? Kamala Harris, Cory Booker. Um, what about Joe Biden, Obama's former vice president? Maybe. Ben <laughs> no, I think Ben Carson's done. Ben Carson's actually got a job at the White House. He's busy. He can't run for president. Kanye West. You think Kanye should run? Maybe. <laughs> uh. Anyway, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Uh. When we come back on the other side, I want to... Uh, I want to kind of get into a, a New Year's mode. I want to talk some New Year's stuff. Uh, first off, if you look, if you if you've kept up with anything to do with the ball drop in Times Square, you notice that they've dedicated the ball drop to quote unquote press freedom, whatever that means. We'll talk about that and give you some highlights from 2018 on the other side. It's Over the Line, the podcast, overthelineshow.com. Andrew McLean, P. Diddy, hanging out with you today. Make sure you don't go anywhere.
that's in charge of the ball drop in Times Square for New Year's Eve. And I just saw this this morning. I had no idea about this, and I wouldn't have known if I didn't 
go through some of these articles. But this committee has taken the iconic ball drop in New York City's Times Square and dedicated this year's celebration to press freedom. Now, what is press freedom? I guess it's just freedom of the press. I assume that's what that means. Freedom of the press. Press being able to freely uh, report the news, report on what's going on in the White House and all that kind of stuff. Um, I don't know if it's standard procedure for these guys to dedicate the ball drop to a particular topic or person. That may be the case. I've never noticed it in the past. But uh, this year is the press freedom. And that is obviously because here's the thing. Everything in, in 2018 has revolved around Donald Trump. Really, everything since his election has revolved around Donald Trump. And he loves that, by the way. For those of you that want to make Donald Trump miserable, consuming your entire life with Donald Trump is is actually making him happy, even if you hate his guts. Um, the reason they're doing that is because they want to take a shot at Donald Trump. They want to insinuate that... The freedom of the press is being restricted by the current administration. And this is something we hear time and time again by the pundits on TV, by writers in the newspapers, whatever. That freedom of the press is being obstructed by Donald Trump. Now, you think about this. Think about the fact that 98% of the news coverage of the president is negative. And if Donald Trump were obstructing freedom of the press, if he were trying to silence reporters, don't you think he would get a little better shot at the news? He would be painted in a much better light if he were stopping reporters from exercising their right, their right of freedom of the press. But apparently he's not because all the coverage is bad. You look at uh, look at a place that actually does uh, censor the press or ob- obstructs the press from freely reporting on facts or whatever they want to do. Uh, what's a good example? Russia. How about Russia? Vladimir Putin gets uh, gets very gracious news coverage in Russia, and why is that? Because they intimidate their political opponents. The press in Russia knows that they could be in some deep doo-doo if they get out there and they take Vladimir Putin to task. That's one of the things that makes the guy so evil. That is actual restricting freedom of the press. Not what's going on over here. What's going on over here is actually the opposite. And I'm not saying that we should restrict the freedom of the press, but I'm saying we've got so much freedom of the press that the press has now turned into fake news. The press has now had so much freedom that they just report anything and everything they want and purely base it on how they feel or where their ideals line up, where they, uh, where, where, what, what side of the aisle they sit on. That's what they base their reporting on. It's no longer fact-based. It's no longer any of that. And that goes for both sides. Everybody has got an agenda. 
And that's what freedom of the press has got gotten us. And it's just like freedom of speech. I mean, when freedom of speech, when you talk about freedom of speech, people say, "Oh, well, that's that's dangerous speech. That's hate speech. That shouldn't be allowed." Well, no, it's it's got to be allowed. If you want freedom of speech to speak your mind, to say the things you want to say, you then have to allow the people that you don't like and you don't like the things they say. You have to allow them to say what they want to say. Freedom has to go for everybody, the good guys and the bad guys. Everybody gets it. As far as freedom of the press goes, the press has got as much freedom as they could possibly want and probably more than they should have. But nonetheless, uh, that's it. Now, who this committee that, that is running the New Year's Eve stuff with the ball drop and all that, I can guarantee you there are a bunch of left-wing goofballs that, that think the press is being restricted. And there is no more freedom of the press, but there it is. The, the the commentators that are doing these CNN, MSNBC specials for New Year's Eve from Times Square, they're going to eat that up. They'll be talking about that all night because they love that kind of stuff. They're actually the ones that started that whole campaign. But that's what it is. It is what it is. It's gonna It's going to get to a point where the ball drop is going to be like the NFL has been over the past uh, two or three years where they start politicizing the crap out of it, and then people stop watching it. Liberals are going to ruin... Liberals ruin everything, and now they're about to ruin the ball drop that everybody watched since most of you were children. Everybody watched year after year after year. That was the thing to watch. It's like the Macy's Day Parade uh, and uh, Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade and, and Thanksgiving. Everybody watches it. But everything's got to be politicized. If you go back to that parade, they had some sort of skit in the middle of the parade where two girls were smooching. Okay? That's the kind of stuff that's going to cause a large portion of Americans to start turning that off. And they're going to find a, a, a different tradition to, uh, to occupy themselves with during those holidays. This will be no different. So politicize away. People will stop watching that crap in a heartbeat. Uh, also, as far as the, the ball drop goes, <laughs> we uh, when we were on the line, we talked about uh, a lot of what happened on CNN. I think this was in the 2016-2017 the, the New Year's Eve, where Don Lemon was one of the hosts, or he was one of the reporters, I guess. They had him on location at different bars and stuff, and he got so wasted to the point that he had a bar patron piercing his ear on live TV, which seemed really safe. You can probably expect more of that uh, this year on CNN because they're an absolute joke. So if you want to watch that, I'm not going to be mad at you. I think it'd actually probably be pretty good, uh, pretty good entertainment. Um, Let's talk a little Trump and what Trump has done in, in 2018 and even throughout his his first couple of years uh, because some of the liberal pundits keep talking about climate change. They're, they're back in their climate change stuff and really pushing it. And that all lines up with Democrats taking the House and all that kind of stuff. But I'll explain that a little later. Trump has got a, a list of America first 
energy wins just in 2018. And I want to go through some of these because last night, P. Diddy and myself, we watched a documentary where uh, the Guardian did this piece, and it was only like 10, 15-minute documentary, where they go to this town in West Virginia, which was notoriously a, a coal mining town. Uh, the, the, the town was booming, businesses were rocking, and everybody had jobs and was providing for their family. And now it's a ghost town. But that ghost town overwhelmingly supports Trump. So the Guardian felt like, hey, this is bizarre. We got to find out why this, why this town loves Trump so much when they're doing so poorly. Now, this was back when Donald Trump was running for office. And this was before he actually won the election. But people were overwhelmingly uh, supporting Donald Trump. And they wanted to know why. They didn't get it. They, they didn't understand why these people in West Virginia, these, these former coal miners, were so adamant about a billionaire from New York who was brash and mean and, and made fun of people and all this stuff. They, they just couldn't understand it. But even those people knew that the policies that had been put in place in order to shut their coal mines down if they continued to go and repeat what they saw between 2008 and 2016 with Barack Obama, it was only going to get worse. Because here's what happened. You bring in Barack Obama, who wants to change the way we live our life and the way we consume energy and turn it into clean energy. Because of this climate change, global warming myth. He wants to get rid of all the coal we're using, all this, that, and the other. And he wants to go clean, renewable energy. So their idea, and this is how Democrats think, their idea is we're going to take uh, this uh, backwoods, I don't know how to describe this town, backwoods, West Virginia towns where, you know, people are... are poorly educated, a lot of them can't read and write, they've been working in coal mines all their life, we're going to shut down their jobs in the coal mines, and then we're going to put in new jobs like like a, a, a plants that manufacture solar panels, or we're going we're gonna to put a, a, a Google headquarters in, in this town, because think of how cheap it'll be for Google, of course they'd want to do that, or we're going to put, a, put a, a, some sort of high-tech business in this town. Now, these are poorly educated people. They're older people, people that aren't going to learn new technological traits, new technological trades, and completely shift their career. They're just not, they're not going to do it. So when you shut all this down and then you realize you're not going to be able to put those businesses out there, then you've just got a bunch of people living in a ghost town. That's what happened in that town. I think it was Morgantown, West Virginia, or something like that. I may be getting that wrong. That, that is what caused them to support Donald Trump. You also had Donald Trump's opponent, Hillary Clinton, literally saying on campaign stops, we're going to put a lot of coal mines and coal miners out of business. You all remember that uh, very vividly. She had the same concept. She thought she could go to these coal mine towns with good old country boys, people that have worked in coal mines their whole life. It's all they knew. Shut down their coal mines and then 
put him uh, working as a computer programmer at Google or, you know, producing solar panels. It's not going to work. And it's not to call those people stupid or not able to learn a new trade or anything like that. It's just not realistic. It's not. These people, they, they love the coal mining business. They were proud of it. They've been doing it for generations and generations. It's what they wanted to do. And it really fueled America. It fueled our lives, whether it's producing this podcast, having the electricity to do so, keeping our houses warm, whatever. Those are the people that made that stuff possible. And so how did we thank those people? We thank them by putting in a president that caused them to literally lose their livelihood. Here's some of the the things that Trump has done to reverse that. On, On August 21st of this year, you remember Trump introduces the affordable clean energy rule. That what that does is basically dismantles the Obama administration's uh, federal rules over the nation's coal production and, and gives authority to the states. So where Donald Trump did not come out and say, hey, I'm changing the rules for all you guys. He's saying, I'm going to give power to the states and I'm going to allow places like West Virginia to decide if they want to get back to being coal country. And I'm also going to give places like California the choice to say if they do or they don't want to produce natural resources. If they want to spend their time making solar panels, that's fine. That's going to be their choice. And whenever you hand power to the states, whenever the federal government says, we're not going to decide collectively for everybody, we're going to hand this over to the states and let the states decide, we are all better off. Why is that? Because if you don't like what your state has done, you got 49 other states you can go to until you find one that's doing it the way you want them to do it. It's that simple. So he hands the power back to the states. The more local the decisions being made, the better, whether that's state, uh, county, city, whatever. You're better off the more local the decision, the better off you are. Uh, National Geographic reports after that uh, Clean Energy uh, Act or the I'm sorry, the Affordable Clean Energy Rule. They said some states like California may even may propose even harsher targets, but others such as coal-rich states like West Virginia and Pennsylvania are likely to in- loosen emissions regulations that coal industry leaders have called burdensome and expensive. How about on September 18th when the Trump administration announced final new rollbacks on reducing requirements for oil and gas companies? to monitor and mitigate methane from wells and other production sources. Obama's last-minute 2016 rule that they put into place would cost the oil and gas industries $530 million by 2025. But those guys have got too much money anyway. Well, you know what happens when we start charging the crap out of coal producers, gas producers, whatever, oil producers, that makes its way down to the people that can't afford to take the hit, that is, you and I. That makes its way down to us. It, the, the big wigs at these companies don't say, oh, I guess we're not going to get our bonus this year because, you know, we got hit with 
uh, $500 million in, in new fees and regulations and all this stuff, so I guess we'll just not take our Christmas bonus. No, that makes its way to the average consumer. October 24th, the Trump administration, the, the Department of Interior, they announced that they would allow the first oil and gas production in waters off the U.S. Arctic. The Bureau of Ocean Energy Management issued a conditional permit to Hillcorp, which hopes to extract 60,000 to 70,000 barrels a day from as many as 16 wells on the island, a total haul of 80 million to 130 million barrels over 15 to 20 years, and oil will be transported by an underwater pipe. This is why it's so important to extract oil to use our natural resources to power our lives. It keeps the prices low. Now, there's a lot of uh, different things that dictate the, the price of gas. We all know it's really low right now. Um, but the global markets dictate that. Supply and demand dictates it. There's, there's a bunch of different factors. But if there's something that contributes to lower gas prices, it's going to be Drilling oil. More oil. The more oil, the better. Also, the more dependent we are on ourselves instead of other countries, which we are now when it comes to oil, the better off we are. It's just like the thing we talked about when when the tariffs came along, the steel tariffs. What are we going to do if we're importing all of our steel, we're not making it ourselves, what happens when we're at war with the people that we're getting our steel from. You think they're going to continue to give it to us so we can build weapons? No. The only people that would be stupid enough to give things to their enemy is people like Barack Obama sending $150 billion to Iran. Other countries aren't that stupid. Uh, November 30th, the administration permitted five oil and gas companies to use uh, seismic air gun blast to detect lucrative oil and gas deposits that may exist under the ocean floor off the U.S. East Coast from Jersey to Florida. On December 6th, the administration announced it was putting plans in place to protect the once-endangered sage grouse, but also allow millions of acres of public lands to benefit Americans in the states where the birds live. Uh, this includes plans to allow more oil and gas drilling, mining, and other activities. That's just a handful of things that Trump has done over 2018. And really, if you look at the timeline, only in a span of about six months to make sure the U.S. is no longer dependent on other countries for our resources. Because he realizes how dangerous that is. We'll take a quick break, come back on the other side, and what I want to do, after talking about all the good things Trump has done in 2018, I want to tell you what the other side has done in 2018. Over the line, it is your New Year's Eve edition wrapping up 2018. We'll be back on the other side right after this.
Over the line, overthelineshow.com. I'm going to need y'all to quit sending me this mess about the 28th Amendment. My Facebook Messenger is full of this repost about the 28th Amendment. And I've not read the first one. And it's simply because when I first saw it pop up, I had approximately seven or eight of those messages. Maybe I should, uh, maybe I should read it now. Let's see. Please read and forward this. We'll only take one minute to read. Really? Have y'all seen how long this thing is? And it starts off by saying it only takes one minute to read. Children of Congress members do not have to pay back their college student loans. Staffers of Congress family members are also exempt. Is this even real? I'm not. I'm not going to go through that. One minute to read. Give me a break. Anyway, uh, we are looking back on 2018 and everything that has. Uh, Everything that's happened, especially in the news and the world of politics. I just got through telling you about some of uh, Donald Trump's 
accomplishments or the Trump administration's accomplishments and what they have done as far as energy in this country goes, production of energy and uh, really putting people back to work where one side wants to, literally their words, put a lot of coal miners out of business and the other side, the Trump side, actually proving that he's going to put those people back to work. Uh, there'll be more of that to talk about in the future, especially when we start getting into the 2020 presidential election. Um, on the other side, really all you have seen from Democrats, from the Hollywood elite, from um, liberals, all liberals alike, is smack talk, dehumanizing hateful, vitriolic smack talk. That's all they've done for two years. They've been absolutely miserable since the 2016 election. That's when it started. They thought they had it in the bag. It was, it was a big joke that Donald Trump was going to become president. Nobody believed that. Then he won, shocked the entire world, and they have been miserable, absolutely miserable ever since. The gloom and doom, the Armageddon that they claimed was going to be here because Donald Trump is president never came, but they continue to hype it up as if Armageddon has already reached the U.S. Uh, one of the other things they were pretty pretty adamant about was um, attacking the First Lady, an immigrant that has become our First Lady and has done some pretty extraordinary things for uh, for a lot of people, especially children. You know, first ladies usually kind of pick their pet project and start certain campaigns. For our last first lady, it was starving our children with school lunches uh, and other things. For this first lady, it's to go after cyberbullying and really teach kids how to reach their full potential, all while being nice to one another. Now, one of the running jokes is that Donald Trump's not exactly nice to other people, yet his, uh, his wife is out there trying to uh, combat bullying. That's okay. I mean, it kind of offsets each other, if you ask me. But what do I know? Uh, as far as them attacking the First Lady, we've pretty much gone over all those instances but it's it's pretty sickening to go back and look at some of the things that people have said about melania trump because let's be honest what has she done to anybody she's never really attacked anybody on on twitter she's never uh, you know committed any big crimes or anything like that she's somebody that came over to this country and achieved the American dream. She came over to this country through a modeling career, worked her way up, happened to uh, get hooked up with Donald Trump, and now has made her way to the White House. Yet celebrities in the Hollywood elite, they despise her. They despise a woman that uh, epitomizes everything they claim to support. Like the time Meryl Streep uh, attacked Melania for her silence on sexual harassment. 
You remember that. She says, I don't want to hear about the silence of me. I want to hear about the silence of Melania Trump. I want to hear from her. She has so much that's valuable to say, and and so does Ivanka. I want her to speak now. Meryl Streep, who comes from uh, a world that is a cesspool of sexual assault, being Hollywood, is condemning the first lady for her silence. Why, why are you not cleaning up your side of the street? How about Jimmy Kimmel mocking Melania Trump's accent? You remember that whole thing. He, uh, he played footage of, of the first lady reading to children at the annual egg roll, the Easter egg roll. That's an annual egg roll. I could think of it as Chinese food. Easter egg roll, you know, they do that every Easter at the White House. And uh, he was mocking and, and laughing at her accent and uh, through the whole thing. How about Michelle Wolf cracking domestic abuse uh, uh, jokes about Melania Trump? She opened one of her monologues on her, her show. I don't know if that show's still on or not. I say it. And finally, after not being seen for 25 days, Melania has reappeared following her kidney surgery. And she did kidney surgery, air quotes. She said, some people are saying that this is Melania's cover for plastic surgery, but I don't buy that. Her husband obviously loves her for who she is. Whatever really happened with Melania, I genuinely hope it doesn't come out that Donald Trump hurt her because that's bad. Then we couldn't make fun of her anymore. That's good. Now, I got to say this about Michelle Wolf. When it comes to comedians, I think we're at a dangerous place where we say what comedians can and cannot say or what they have to apologize for. I, I'm from the, the school of thought that we should give comedians a pass. Unless it's just downright dangerous, some of the things they've said, they're, they're inciting violence or something like that. But as far as the jokes they make, even if it's completely one-sided like somebody like Michelle Wolf does, I think we should give comedians a pass. I don't mean they're immune from being called a jerk and an idiot. And uh, they're not immune from people completely um, backing off watching their shows, but nonetheless... As I give him a pass. Jimmy Kimmel also, uh, he says, the White House sinkhole is one uh, of Melania's escape tunnels. Remember, the sinkhole of the White House. T.I., the rapper, T.I. from Atlanta, he said Melania, he had the Melania Trump lookalike in his music video. And the video goes as... He is sitting in the White House. Donald Trump is out campaigning or something. T.I. is in the White House. And then Melania comes in the Oval Office and does a strip tease for this rapper, T.I. We covered that as well. Uh, That was completely disrespectful in my opinion. Then you had the, the interview on the backside from that where I guess it was Inside Edition interviewed the lady that was in that music video and remember she was all like oh yo no i don't have anything against melania trump it wasn't a shot at her although you were playing her as a stripper in the oval office 
but whatever. Actually, I've got that interview. Let me see if I can pull that up real quick. This is uh, actually pretty funny. The Melania lookalike who spoofed the first lady is breaking her silence. You've been getting death threats. Tell me about some of those threats. Somebody was going to hit me with their car. Uh, somebody was going to take a baseball bat to me. Um, somebody wished me to get raped and then killed. The controversial music video shows rapper T.I. in the Oval Office. The Melania lookalike removes the infamous I don't care do you jacket and is naked. Model Melanie Martin, who's Canadian, says she had no intention of making a political statement. It was an opportunity for me to step right outside my comfort zone and play, you know, the first lady, yes, naked, which I've never done before. And I was brave and I took this on. The first lady spokesperson, Stephanie Grisham, was furious, tweeting, how is this acceptable? Some people say this is disrespectful. How is this even possible? This is the first lady. Listen, the first lady's husband does a lot of bullying himself. So they've got some thick skin. Um, if I was insulting her and degrading her, then it would be one thing. But I don't think I was. No, no. I stripping your clothes off and pretending you're you're getting naked in front of another man while your husband's away it's not degrading her that's perfectly normal behavior the action has been so intense melanie is shooting a new provocative video that she plans to post on instagram god bless america and russia and the trumps in the new video, Melanie channels the first lady wearing the same jacket. But she's not disrespecting her. Y'all just need to remember that. None whatsoever. And this time mimics her accent. Yes, I was naked. But I've been naked before. We're not husband. so sure this is I going to stop the controversy. I meant no harm. I'm Canadian, friendly neighbor to the north. I meant no harm, and uh, from Canada and such as, I meant no disrespect. Uh, that was one of my favorites. Kathy Griffin, you remember her calling Melania a feckless, complicit piece of ish? There was that whole thing. We remember that. Uh, Jim Carrey. Drawing Melania Trump with a federally abducted refugee child. You remember that painting? Uh, the View blasting Melania Trump, saying she has no friends, doesn't care, and revels in not knowing what's going on in the White House. What else? Uh, Bette Midler had some things she said, and uh, there's there's a ton of examples of of these these elites, if you will, attacking the first lady because they have no shame. The irony is the fact that the first lady epitomizes everything that they claim is is beautiful about America. An immigrant coming to this country and achieving the American dream. Yet, that's the case here. Not only that, but she's done nothing wrong, yet she still gets attacked in that manner by those people. Should be no surprise to anyone. Overthelineshow.com, if you have not been to the website, uh, go there, scroll to the bottom of the page, and click on the... The section that uh, allows you to put in your email, once you do that, you'll be subscribed to the website and you will be able to 
receive email updates from the show. We actually sent our first one out last night that made you guys aware that we would be doing the show. We'll be back. Uh, we probably, because of New Year's Day, won't be back until Wednesday. But after that, we'll be rolling with it. We'll be Monday through Thursday every week. We'll be back on track now that we're through the holidays. Very excited about that. So uh, we'll be making things happen. When we get back on the other side, what I want to do is I want to play you some of the best moments from Sarah Huckabee Sanders in 2018. You want to talk about a strong woman that can fight with the best of them, can spar with the best of them. That is Sarah Huckabee Sanders. I really wish we would have had her from the start. Nothing against Sean Spicer. Sean Spicer was a bad choice for press secretary. If we would have had Sarah Huckabee Sanders this whole time, we may be looking at a whole different situation with the press. Look us up on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, all over the place. Take the show with you wherever you go. It's over the line. We'll be back right after this. Hostiles. Hey. 
temperature. I think you thought that Kim Jong Eight was almost done, but just like Friends or Seinfeld, it is only a rerun. Because I'm just like my father and his father Kim Il Sung. Except they call me Kim Jong Fun, number one. Dancing single file. Make sure and smile. Throw them on the pile. Without trial. What goes wrong? You're causing it. Over the line, over the line, show.com. Wrapping up your 2018. Sarah Huckabee Sanders, press secretary for the White House, has had an amazing year, if you ask me. A lot of amazing moments she's had in the press briefing room, as well as many other places. There's too many to choose from, but I thought we would take a handful of them and allow you to relive some of these awesome moments. I don't know if you guys are like me, but I constantly find myself going back and looking up on YouTube, like Trump compilation videos of like some of his best moments trolling people, whether that's on the campaign trail or making fun of Jeb Bush. I just, I can't help myself. I love reliving those moments. Uh, so that that's kind of what brought up this. With all the things that Sarah Huckabee Sanders has gone through as far as sparring with the press, you just, you can't pass that kind of stuff up. It's just so, so good. So I wanted to give you a, a few moments. Uh, this one during a White House press briefing in October, uh, October, October, uh, Sarah Huckabee Sanders goes on to say after Jim Acosta accuses her of having a problem with stating facts, she's like, no, that's actually not me. That would be you, Mr. Jim Acosta. 
have to look at the prosecutor's memo. Those are where uh, you see all of those facts laid out, and I think she makes a very compelling case. John, go ahead. Do you have any problem defending the I don't have any problem stating facts, no. John. Thank you, Sarah. I know that's something you probably do have a problem with. Actually, Sarah, we do state the facts, and I think there have been many occasions when you don't state the facts, if I may respond. John, go ahead. Poor Jim Acosta. He gets roasted so often, I feel bad for him. Uh, here's one where she goes off on Jim Acosta uh, after Michelle Wolf attacked her looks at that uh, White House Correspondents' Dinner. You remember the whole thing? She's talking about the Handmaid's Tale or whatever. Um, Sarah Sanders decided to bring that up one of uh, during one of Jim Acosta's tirades, one of his many tirades in the uh, White House press briefing. She asked you about Ivanka Trump's statement that the press is not the enemy of the people. And she asked you whether or not the press is the enemy of the people. You read off a laundry list of your concerns about the press and, and things that you feel like are misreported, but you did not say that the press is not the enemy of the people. And I, I, I think it would be a good thing if you were to say right here, uh, at this briefing that the press, the people who are gathered in this room right now, uh, doing their jobs every day, asking questions of officials like the ones you brought forward earlier, are not the enemy of the people. I, I think we, we deserve that. I think the president has made his position known. I also think it's Would ironic. Telling us, I'm, I'm Sarah, trying to answer you your question. Okay, well, I, I've it, politely waited, and I even called on you, despite the fact that you interrupted me while calling on your colleague. Well, you I said it's ironic. Which is why yes. I interrupted. I'm trying. But if you, if you finish, yes. if you would not mind letting me have a follow-up, that would be fine. But it's ironic. Jim, uh, that not only you and the media attack the president for his rhetoric uh, when they frequently lower the level of conversation in this country. Repeatedly, repeatedly, the media resorts to personal attacks without any content other than to incite anger. Uh, the media has attacked me personally on a number of occasions, including your own network, said I should be harassed as a life sentence, that I should be choked. ICE officials are not welcomed in their place of worship and personal information is shared on the Internet. When I was hosted by the Correspondents Association, of which almost all of you are members of, you brought a comedian up to attack my appearance and call me a traitor to my own gender. In fact, as I know, um, I'm the, as far as I know, I'm the first press secretary in the history of the United States that's required Secret Service protection. The media continues to ratchet up the verbal assault against the president and everyone in this administration. And certainly we have a role to play, but the media has a role to play for the discourse in this country as well. And, and sir, if you don't mind, if I, if, wait, hold on, if I may follow up, if I may follow up, excuse me, you did not say in the course of those remarks that you just made that the press is not the enemy of the people. Are we to take it from what you just said? We all get put through the ringer. We all get put in the meat grinder in this town, and you're no exception. And I'm sorry that that happened to you. I wish that that, that had not happened. But for, for the sake of this, this room, the people who are in this room, this democracy, this country, all the people around the world are watching what you're saying, Sarah, and the White House for the United States of America, the President of the United States should not refer to us as the enemy of the people. His own daughter acknowledges that, and all I'm asking you to do, Sarah, is to acknowledge that right now and right here. I, I appreciate your passion. I share it. Um, I've addressed this question. I've addressed my personal feelings. I'm here to speak on behalf of the President. He's made his comments clear. Sarah, uh, go ahead. Mm, mm, that's so good. <laughs> that is so, 
so good. Here's here's what's crazy is if you no longer want to be called the enemy of the people, because as far as Jim Acosta goes, it's poor, poor, pitiful me, right? Poor Jim Acosta. It's just he's always getting beat up, and he's just he's a victim, such a victim, which automatically qualifies him as a Democrat. If you want to move on from being beat up all the time by the president or whoever, well, start doing your job in a respectable and honorable way. Show some integrity in your work instead of being a pawn for a political party. Because that's what you are. We've, we've seen the evidence of, of reporters from the New York Times, the Washington Post, colluding with politicians in the left to destroy whatever's going on on the right. We've even watched actual actual things, actual uh, administrations attacking the press in unprecedented ways when the Obama administration was spying on Fox News reporters. But nobody said anything back then. Now... Now it's poor, pitiful us because our freedom of the press is being obstructed. It's being restricted. Although everything we do is, and everything we write about and report on is bad about the president and about that administration, we're the ones being victimized. Sure. Sure. Here's April Ryan, who is uh, a part of CNN as well. You've seen her in the press briefings Several, several times. Here is her uh, sparring with Sarah Huckabee Sanders. Let me see if I can find it here. Let's see if we can find that. Uh, she basically uh, misquoted Sanders back in May and saying that she said she was blindsided by Rudy Giuliani's comments during an interview with Fox News. So Sarah Sanders said, Actually, that's not the case. So, Sarah, at this point, can you tell us definitively if the president plans to answer any questions from Bob Mueller? And if not, what is now in place here at the White House to go through that process of a subpoena, a possible indictment, a possible grand jury? Uh, Again, those are all questions you would need to refer to the outside counsel. Okay, well, now, going to Rudy Giuliani. Did Rudy, did Rudy Giuliani do harm to the president today and last night in his conversations to Fox? Uh, I don't believe so. Why didn't he talk to the White House press office about his impacting stellar statements about what was happening? Uh, the White House press office wouldn't coordinate with the president's outside legal team on legal strategy. You said yourself you were blindsided. I actually didn't use that term. Well, I said it, but you were blindsided from what you said. Well, for uh, with all due respect, you actually don't know much about me in terms of what I feel and what I don't. Uh, how this operates. All right, I think we're good. Molly. Oh, that stings a little bit. Uh, how about in March? Sarah Huckabee, she's had so many of these moments where she just gets on this tirade and she just wears the media out for what they've been doing. This was back in March. She slammed the media for negative coverage on Trump's planned trip with North Korean leader Kim Jong-un. She alludes to the media's positive coverage of of a few North Korean regime members a few months prior 
And she says, I'm glad that you guys are acknowledging a lot of the problems in North Korea because just a couple of weeks ago, uh, there were some of you guys that were elevating North Korea and some members of the regime. This is what's beautiful about Sarah Sanders is the fact that she will take exactly what they're doing, all the things we talk about, that you talk about amongst your friends, that we talk about on this show, and she lays it out there. And I don't know that, that if that's a trait of Sarah Huckabee Sanders, but it is certainly a trait of Donald Trump. And she channels that, and she takes it straight to the press, which I think is absolutely amazing. He's starved his own people. He's murdered his own people. You could say he's responsible for the death of Otto Warmbier. Why put him on the same stage as the President of the United States? The President wants to make sure that we denuclearize the peninsula and that we're securing and helping have a safer world. I'm glad that you guys are acknowledging uh, a lot of the problems of North Korea because just a couple of weeks ago, a lot of members in the press were actually elevating North Korea and some of the members of the regime and comparing them to people in the United States and in this administration. I think that is actually what put uh, North Korea on a similar stage. No action by this administration has even remotely demonstrated uh, a level of rise that the media did uh, during the Olympics and through some of those stories. French- Y'all remember that? Remember when uh, at the Olympics, Mike Pence was sitting in the same area as Kim Jong-un's sister? And instead of talking about the vice president being there and being that close to a member of that regime that just talked about how Kim Jong-un's sister stole the show. She was so elegant, so poised, that she really, really made Pence and his wife look so bad. You remember that? There's so many of those instances in 2007, or 2018 that we can't possibly bring them all to you. There was the one time in the press briefing room where they brought a kid in there as kind of a mock reporter or, you know, reporter for a day type of deal. And they basically use this kid for political reasons. They send him in there and get him to ask Sarah Sanders what she's doing to prevent senseless tragedies from occurring in schools, talking about school shootings this was a a total plant and they did this in an attempt to make sarah sanders look stupid and the administration look stupid in the sense of uh they're just allowing kids to be killed because they refuse to take people's guns away that's what this was about a lockdown room one thing that affects mine and other students mental health is to worry about about the fact that we or our friends could get shot at school. Specifically, can you tell me what the administration has done and will do to prevent these senseless tragedies? I think that uh, as a kid and certainly as a parent, there is nothing that could be more terrifying for a kid to go to school and not feel safe. So I'm sorry that you feel that way. Uh, This administration takes it seriously. And the school safety commission that the president convened is meeting this week, again, an official meeting uh, to discuss the best ways forward and how we can do every single thing within our power to protect kids in our schools and to make them feel safe. And And this is why I love Sarah Huckabee Sanders, because she completely, completely flipped that around on them and made it into a situation where it was obvious what these guys were doing. They were using this child, this kid, for their political reasons of promoting gun control. 
Here's another one. I'm only going to play a couple more of these. There's just so many, uh, so many good ones out there. I want to get in as many as possible. Again, I can't comment on anything regarding those questions, and I would refer you to the president's well, outside. I have a question about, about specifically the White House and being involved in it. It was actually specific to the president, and that's why I'm referencing and referring you to the president's personal attorneys who can speak okay, on that well, matter. A question about the White House specifically, then. Is the White House concerned, as Congressman Adam Schiff has said, that so many of the questions point to obstruction of justice. We uh, here at the White House tried never to be concerned with anything dealing with Adam Schiff. Like, Thank you, Sarah. <laughs> Let me point you back to what... <laughs> this is so good. All right, one more, one more. Here it is. This is Jim Acosta again. There seems to be a pattern, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, that there is no pattern, where the president watches something on Fox and Friends and then he tweets about it. Apparently this morning, uh, one of their uh, personalities, uh, Andrew Napolitano, uh, said that uh, this is not a good deal, Mr. President, don't do this. And then he went on Twitter and tweeted about the FISA program. Uh, there have been folks out there who have said, you know, there's a cause and effect. He watches something on Fox and Friends, uh, and then he tweets about it. Is that what happened this morning, and does that go on? I'm sure you're disappointed he's not watching CNN. Uh, I, I think he watches but, a lot of CNN, if you don't mind me. I don't think that's true. Your numbers would be higher. Uh, I, so, uh, in, in reference to uh, the question, that was so good. Did you hear the the room was laughing, and then she said your numbers would be higher if uh, he were actually watching. And they all said, "Oh, sick bird." Okay, oh, but I said that was the last one. But I've got to play the one that had to do with the end. Remember when Trump called the MS13 gang members called them animals? And the press lost their mind that he would call human beings animals. That he would call people that maybe they commit murder and rape and, and sex trafficking and, and human smuggling. And, and they pour drugs of uh, tons of heroin and fentanyl and all this other stuff into our country and kill uh, hundreds of thousands of people on a yearly basis. Maybe they do that, but they don't deserve to be called animals. That's what the press said. I want to ask you because so many people in the country have been talking about it in the last 24 hours. What did the president mean when he said that some immigrants are not people, they're animals? Uh, the president was very clearly referring to MS-13 gang members who enter the country illegally and whose deportations are hamstrung by our laws. Uh, this is one of the most vicious and deadly gangs that operates by the motto of rape, control, and kill. If the media and liberals want to defend MS-13, they're more than welcome to. Uh, frankly, I don't think the term that the president used was strong enough. MS-13 has done heinous acts. Uh, it took an animal to stab a man a hundred times and decapitate him and rip his heart out. It took an animal to beat a woman. They were sex trafficking with a bat 28 times, indenting part of her body. And it took an animal to kidnap, drug, and rape a 14-year-old Houston girl. Frankly, I think that the term animal doesn't go far enough. And I think that the president should continue to use his platform and everything he can do under the law to stop these types of horrible, horrible, disgusting people. My Lord, my Lord, preach it, sister. Preach it. All right, this is the last one. I promise this is the last one. Then we're going to go to break, come back after that, and keep rolling. But you remember the, I guess it was, maybe it was the last campaign stop they did before the midterms, and he had uh, several members of his staff there. He had Kellyanne Conway there. He had, even Sean Hannity was there. He came up on stage for a minute and caught a bunch of heat from Fox News for it. 
because heaven forbid that, you know, he goes up there and, and speaks at a rally for a guy that he obviously supports. Um, Sarah Huckabee Sanders was there as well, and she wasn't expecting to come on stage, but in the middle of Trump's speech, he asked her to join him on stage and say a few words. Here's what happened. Thank you, Indiana. We're maybe a little speechless. We're not used to friendly crowds. Thank you. It's an honor to be here with so many incredible people. Mostly it's an honor to be with you, Mr. President. Thank you for giving us the privilege of a lifetime to work in your historic administration and to do incredible things and literally change the course of our country. A lot of people know me in my official capacity, and it's one of the greatest honors of my life to serve in your administration and one of the most important jobs I'll ever have. But the greatest job that I'll ever have and the greatest title I'll ever have is that of a mom. And that's why... And that's why I work for this president because I care about my kids' future and I care about the future of our country. And I want somebody that I know will protect their future, protect this country, and make sure that they have the best America possible. And that's why we're going to keep making America great again. Thank you so much, Indiana. Can we just make sure Sarah Huckabee Sanders is press secretary forever and ever? At least while Republicans are in office. I don't ever want to see a Republican where Sarah Sanders is not the press secretary. Ever. Ever again. And that's one awesome chick right there. Overthelineshow.com Make sure you sign up for our newsletter or whatever the heck we call it so you can get email updates about the show as we keep this bad boy Rolling. Find us on Spotify. Find us on Apple Podcast, on Anchor, on Google Podcast, on all this other stuff. I don't even have the list in front of me, but uh, we're all over the place. You can use most of those to download the show onto your phone and take it with you while you're on the road. You don't have to use any data or anything like that. It's uh, it's very very. Convenient. We'll take another break and come back on the other side. Over the line, the podcast, Andrew McLean, wrapping up your 2018. Y'all hang tight. southern border and I will have Mexico pay for that war.
just got 10 feet taller. here and we're going to get them out. No taxes for our jobs. The money we are accruing. Instead of ATMs, we send it home with Western Union. I built a great wall, but nobody builds walls better than me, believe me. show.com y'all notice uh we got the t-shirts on the way i know this is probably backwards in the camera over the line t-shirts they come in this nice silky material but they also come in the regular cotton or whatever uh i think there'll be some long sleeve shirts maybe we can even put some hoodies out there We'll have some window decals, some some mugs, some tumblers, whatever you guys need or want. We'll have it right there on the website for you. Uh, hopefully, as we start this new year, we can throw it out there and get it to where you guys can get your hands on that stuff, if you so desire. The number to the show, if you want to get in, we, we haven't paid attention to the phones today, so if you've called, uh, I apologize. We're trying to, to work out all the kinks as far as live streaming the show 
and also recording it so we can get it put on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and all that stuff. But it's 646-668-2714. You can actually go to the Over the Line Facebook page, and there is a Call Now button on there. You can click that from your phone, and it should pull up the number. Uh, That makes it a little bit easier for you guys. So hook that up. Also, OverTheLineShow.com. Don't forget about that. Don't forget to sign up for the newsletter. You really need that in your life because uh, we can keep in touch with you that way. A lot of you guys have done so, and uh, we certainly appreciate that. So, anyway, uh, we just spent a lot of time playing some Sarah Huckabee Sanders highlights, which, you know, my 2018 would not be complete without that. But I also want to play some highlights from another source of information, quote-unquote. I want to give you a montage of some of CNN's best moments from 2018. Now, keep in mind, CNN is in the business of cursing and being vulgar and saying nasty things. So there'll be some stuff. There'll be some of that here in this uh, in this montage. So just prepare yourself for that. But everything you're about to hear was broadcast on CNN at one point in time. You'll remember some of these. Some of these you may not remember. But uh, it's classic stuff. Kanye West is what happens when Negroes don't read. Those were Russians. They were not Russians. I don't go with the Russians. That Come group on, was Russians. I have nothing to do with the Russians. The well, groups, apparently you the, did. No. Maybe you didn't know it, but oh, you please. did. When you're talking like this, I don't want to have anything to do with you. We sum it up in a word, okay? There it is. This is the gift that he decided to give the American people. Uh-oh. So Kanye West is what happens when Kanye West is what happens when Negroes don't read. Listen, black folks are about to trade Kanye West in the racial draft, okay? I have a, I have an adopted minority son, yes I do, um, who happens to have Down syndrome, and he experiences bigotry every single day in a myriad of ways, not just because of his skin color, but also because of his disability. And America let's focus has on never what we've done great. well. And it's not let's great focus because on people what, like you come on and lie for the on, president of the United States and then, and then, and then tout, bring out your son as an example? Could, like you could, gotta could be focus completely so on ashamed what, of yourself. What America- you say, what do you say to the people who are, who dragged a poor white guy out of a car and beat him? Oh my goodness, poor him. white people, please, oh my, stop. Stop it, Carl. I grew up in a household where my best friend's mom couldn't play with a kid across the street because they were kikes. And you want to tell me after this country learned that a white person could own a black person in the 19th century, that Chinese people 110 years ago were slant eyes. And, and Barbara, we saw the president signing a campaign hat, uh, a red hat, uh, his Make America Great Again hat. Uh, is that unusual to see the president doing that on base? Uh, does this run the risk of the president you know, facing some accusations that he's turning some of this into a campaign stop? What do you think? Well, when you see people like Ted Cruz getting chased out of restaurants by a mob. Oh, when you see, you're when not you, going to use the mob I will, word Oh, here. It's, it's totally a mob. It is without a doubt. I mean, there's no other word Mats. for it. It's a, go watch it. Put up a the mob, video. Stop, stop. A Put mob, up the video. A mob is what we saw in Charlottesville, Virginia. Let me, let me let me let me move past the M word. This president has radicalized so many more people than ISIS ever did. I mean, the way he talks, the way he, the way he. That is, that's just, it's, it's. The way he talks, the way. 
Well, Trey Gowdy ought to have his ass kicked. Here, let me show you what I would have done. You don't have to. Well, let me show you. I want to show you something. You don't let me show you what to. I would have done. Okay, come here. Come here, Dom. Come here, Dom. Oh, poor Don. You're petty and small. Not petty and small. That's real, brother. That's real. And, and, and real it petty shows and you this is not... There is something to be said about that the folks calling for civility might need to check their privilege. Up on New Year's. Yes, then you one can. Night, one night can do. We can enjoy ourselves more than tonight. Oh, boy. Thank you very much. May okay, ask that's one enough. other question, Mr. President. For me, if I may ask Peter, one other question, are you worried? That's enough. That's no, enough, Mr. President. I, well, that's I was enough. I'm going to ask one of the, the other folks. That's had, enough. Pardon me, ma'am. I'm, I'm, Mr. Excuse President, me. that's enough. Mr. President, I had one other Peter, question. Let's go. No, it's not my behavior. Thank you. It's people who are no. upset and they're angry with the way the the way the country is going and the policies oh, that these so people. Just, will you let me finish, Matt? Please, before you jump in. Okay. I'm making a point. I can't make it if you keep interrupting me. No, but you, no, but you're you're making a point. Are, are you the moderator or the host, or are you arguing a liberal? I'm, ball? I'm the. My my balls are bigger than your balls. Probably. Oh. Do you want to dance, or should we talk to some people? <laughs> Well, I will be clear in saying that everybody in Washington, D.C. knows if you don't want to be honest about it, that's on you. But if you have a security clearance and you keep it, you We're get done, more Jim. money to We're have We're done. It. Get out. Phil. It's not your show. So I'm staying right here. Service, don't be so defensive about get this. Out. Don't well, be so defensive about this. Well, your voice is still here. You can still do whatever you well, want. Listen, just quickly, you look through the trash there. What, what did you find? Precaution. <laughs> yes, we did. Well, we, we came here expecting this office to be to be empty. Um, uh, but in fact, all day here, we've been here throughout the course of the day. People have been going in and out. We went to the trash can to see what we could find. We saw people dumping rubbish there. New computers, new computers are being delivered here and they're throwing away the rubbish. I'm definitely earning the nickname Kush K, that's for sure. Uh, right. Oh, yeah. Oh, come on. Everybody knows what Kush is. So, listen, uh, I came prepared, you know, this year. I thought maybe I would bring a gas mask with me so I wouldn't, you know, get that contact high. But look at what's on the other end of the gas mask. Yes, a bong. Uh, this is heartbreaking, though. No. Uh, it's heartbreaking. Uh, the hope has been that the antibodies would kick in, that this sort of infestation of, of hatred and division uh, would, would, would draw a response from the American people, really in both parties, to say no and no, no more. Uh, that does not seem to be happening tonight. It's not a blue wave, but it's still a blue war. So we have to stop demonizing people and realize the biggest terror threat in this country is white men, most of them radicalized right, uh, to the right. And we have to start doing something about them. There is no travel ban on them. There is no ban on, you know, they have the Muslim ban. There is no white guy ban. So what do we do about that? The president sent his White House press secretary out there today to basically poop on the people from the press secretary podium and not only threaten, like they didn't just make a threat, it was a promise. It says it right in the name, Antifa, anti-fascism, which is what they were there um, fighting. Listen, there's, you know, no organization is perfect. There was some violence. Um, no one condones the violence, but there were different reasons for Antifa and for these neo-Nazis uh, to be there. One, racist fascists. The other group, fighting racist fascists. There is a fascist. There is a distinction there. Uh, so, Why are you subjecting me to this? So sorry. Sorry, I, I, I sorry. I just heard a voice in my ear. <laughs> I did too. Whose voice was that? Was that um, you, Elizabeth? 
No. Okay. 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 Let's, let's. Sorry. I don't know what's going. On. Keep going, yeah. Walter. Go ahead. You were posting and reposting almost word for word the information that was coming out of this <laughs> internet research agency no. in St. Petersburg. No. You don't believe that? Nope. It's bullshit. Thank you. Well, there you go. It, there is a far too much there to unpack, but. <laughs> it, uh, that's some of the best moments coming from CNN in 2018. It's just so many great moments. And, and what I realized as we listened to that was there were a lot of cases of CNN going on the attack, attacking Donald Trump before even checking to see if they gave that same act a pass in the past. In the sense of just recently, over the past week, Donald Trump is in... Uh, a, a war zone, and he's got uh, our military members there uh, wanting him to sign things like a MAGA hat or whatever. And he's doing so. And you heard Jim Acosta there immediately attacking the president, saying, I can't believe he's doing that. This is, he's turning this into a campaign stop. He's turning this into a campaign rally. He reported it in that fashion before even going back to look to see if Obama ever had done that before. And in fact, Obama had done that. And almost immediately, as the press is attacking Trump for that act, the pictures and videos of Obama doing the exact same thing start hitting the internet. And that's the beautiful thing about the internet right there. Uh, that, again, from the Daily Caller. I appreciate those guys putting that together because that's really, uh, that was really, really precious. Uh, some things that we're not happy about with 2018 coming to an end is the fact that representatives in the House have ended the probe into the FBI and all the shady stuff that has gone on in the FBI because you've got some of the key players that are a part of that that are leaving, namely Trey Gowdy. He will no longer be serving after these new House members come in. He's hanging it up. Uh he and Jim Jordan and Matt Gates and others have said uh, we're having to bring an end to this because the FBI and the Department of Justice has obstructed so much. We are not able to get to the bottom of any of this stuff, but we want a second investigation to ensue. And we beg the new members of Congress, the new members of the House, to not let up and continue to push back on the FBI and the Department of Justice and make sure the truth gets out for the American people to regain trust, regain their trust in the DOJ, in the FBI. Will that happen with Democrats running the show in the House? I don't know. Because people like Nancy Pelosi, they're already setting their agenda for what's going to be happening in the House. And... That is going to be things like, as she stated, uh, a climate crisis committee. Okay? Nancy Pelosi, presumed Speaker of the House, is already calling for a climate crisis committee to be what our government is spending its time doing. Climate crisis. To stop climate change. Global warming. Now, she said this, and then immediately after she said that, during a government shutdown, she flew thousands of miles in a jet to vacation in Hawaii. 
literally right after she said that, and during the government shutdown, she flew to Hawaii for a vacation. That's fantastic. You, you, you cannot make that stuff up. It's just so, so absolutely precious. And then I saw, uh, I think yesterday, Chuck Todd on MSNBC. He did an entire, uh, an, an entire hour on climate change. And he said, climate deniers are banned from this show. Now, they call it climate deniers, not climate change deniers, because the climate is real. We know, everybody knows climate is a thing in okay? kind. But if they go just climate deniers, it makes them seem like flat earthers. It makes people that don't buy into this global warming mess seem like flat earth people because they're denying the world's run. They're denying that climate exists. It's all about words. It's all about words for these people. They don't have to give um, lengthy explanations. They just got to give headlines. And that's it. Give headlines and watch uh, watch the people eat it up. That's how they start their narratives. Here's uh, here's Chuck Todd just yesterday on MSNBC talking about uh, this morning we're going to do something change. that we don't often get to do: dive in on one topic. It's obviously extraordinarily difficult to do this as the end of this year has proven in the era of Trump. But we're going to take an in-depth look, uh, regardless of that, at a literally earth-changing subject that doesn't get talked about this thoroughly on television news, at least, climate change. But just as important as what we are going to do this hour is what we're not going to do. We're not going to debate climate change, the existence of it. The earth is getting hotter, and human activity is a major cause, period. We're not going to give time to climate deniers. The science is settled, even if political opinion is not. The science is settled. Climate change is real. That's what the Democrats are going to do in the House. That's that's their plan. That's exactly what they will be spending their time on. So you want to talk about government coming to a grinding halt? This government shutdown is going to be child's play compared to what we're going to see over the next two years and i'm i'm not even going to say i'm i'm upset about it actually i think it could be the best thing that happens for donald trump's re-election chances let the democrats in the house prove themselves to be who they actually are give them the power and just two short years after we've left obama in the past the american people can be reminded of what democrats actually do when they hold power They can see and be reminded how awful it is when Democrats have power. One more break before we wrap this thing up. Last show of 2018, Over the Line, overthelineshow.com. Don't go anywhere.
So the president of Mexico yesterday, or the ex-president, whatever, whoever, he said, we will not pay for the wall, even consider paying for the wall. So who's going to pay for the wall? yesterday and they said the president of mexico said they will not under any circumstances pay for the wall they said to me what is your comment i said the wall just got 10 feet higher it's true seen the video of the transgender dude woman thing at GameStop at the game video game store <laughs> there's two videos out there right now that that have absolutely mesmerized me one of them is from a, a vape shop where a guy comes in wearing a make America great again hat and the dude that's working the counter absolutely loses his mind and refuses to uh, sell him anything. Sell him the juice that he's trying to get. And I mean, he starts screaming like a, a child throwing a temper tantrum. 
Now, there's far too much language in that for me to play it on here, but it was, uh, <laughs> it was absolutely fascinating. It was like 20 minutes long, and I couldn't stop watching it. But this other one, it's, again, it's at GameStop, the video game store, and it's this guy who is dressed as a girl. He's obviously transgender because he just looks like a, a manly man wearing a blonde wig or whatever and wearing girls' clothes. It's, it's as simple as that. Um, so he gets in here and he threatens to fight the GameStop employee after being called sir. And it's, it's kind of the same situation with uh, the other one where it's got so much language, I can't really play it. But if, if you think you can handle the language, uh, I encourage you to go find that. There are several articles out there. People are posting it on Facebook. Uh, but the dude calls him a sir, not thinking. Not I don't know that he was being derogatory in saying that. He, you know, people just do that sometimes. They call a sir uh, a ma'am, and they call a ma'am a sir sometimes. I mean, they're just, it's either a mistake or maybe he was being a jerk. I don't know. But this tranny loses her ever-loving mind and uh, a fight almost breaks out. Now, if you're going to fight somebody on the street, um, it's probably fighting a transgender dude, biological dude, is probably one of the ones you want to go with. Because if they're feminine enough to to transform themselves into a female, uh, they're probably not uh, man enough to, to put up a good fight. I mean, I hate to stereotype, but it, that's probably the case. So there's that. There's uh, a Texas woman who has given birth to a 15-pound baby, which is apparently a hospital record. 15 pounds. Now, some of you ladies out there, you know what it would be like to give birth to a 15-pound baby more than I do, but I can't imagine that that would be a very pleasant process, even with anesthesia and whatever else. Seems like you'd have some real problems on the backside. 15 pounds. And then last but not least, the uh, uh, Louisiana Police Department is issuing a warning to methamphetamine users. They did this on Saturday, offering to inspect their meth supply for traces of the Zika virus. Here's what their Facebook post said. Uh, they posted a picture of a bag of meth and a meth pipe. And they said, warning, if you've recently purchased meth in any area of Louisiana, it may be contaminated with the Zika virus. Please bring all of it to your local police department, and they will test it for free. If you're not comfortable coming to us, an officer will be glad to come to you and test your meth in the privacy of your home. Please spread the word. We're available 24-7, 365. Be safe. Now we sit and wait for the stories on the backside that tell us about the meth heads that actually went and did that, because you know it'll happen. I can't wait for that. All right, guys. Happy New Year. Hope you guys have a fantastic New Year's Eve. Stay safe. I'll be out doing Uber and Lyft, making sure people get home safe all night. So I'm not going to be partying with the rest of y'all. But uh, y'all have a good one. We'll be back on Wednesday, January 2nd, with a brand new episode of 
over the line. Until then, see you, cuz.